Hey guys, welcome back to Those Murder Girls Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Raina. And I'm Marie. Happy Friday, you guys. I feel like we haven't recorded in forever. <laughs> it has been a minute. I feel like I'm a little rusty. <laughs> a little rusty too, I think. And we've both had a sort of kind of long week, even though it's only Wednesday. So yeah, we're recording this day before yesterday yes. by the time you listen to it. Yeah. Hang in with us, guys. Hang in with us. So you guys keep watching the coverage of the Maya Millette story that we covered. I swear, things just keep unfolding. Like more and more details are being brought to light. The family's been doing a lot of interviews. Some of the families had like a raid at their house. Yeah. <laughs> they and recovered how many guns from Larry's aunt and uncle's house? Yeah. Like 12 or something crazy? It's, we'll message each other throughout the day and be like, oh my gosh, this, this popped up. Should be like, this popped up. I feel like every time we Google it, something new is coming like something new is coming to light on we'll probably have to do like a mini update before or after one of our episodes coming up we got you guys on that one yeah we do so you guys it looks like we might be getting closer to finding out what really happened to her yes we need justice for may also as you guys probably have seen there has finally been an arrest in the almost 25 year old cold case of Kristen Smart. Hell I, yeah. I have followed this case for so long. I mean I've always felt like Paul obviously had something to do with it but when the news broke I immediately called right now I was like and oh my gosh. I know I got so many messages even from people I wouldn't have expected. <laughs> uh, did you see it? I'm like yes bitch I saw it. My mom <laughs> FaceTimes me she's like Murray you will not believe what I saw in the news. I'm like, girl, we are one step ahead of you. So for those of you who might not be familiar with the case, Kristen Smart went missing in 1996. She was on her way home from a college party at Cal Poly Tech in San Luis Obispo, California. She was last seen being escorted home by another college student by the name of Paul Flores. He had always remained the number one suspect in this case over all these years, but was never formally charged, obviously, until now. Him, along with his 80-year-old father. Mm. Right. Mm. So they were both arrested on April 13th at their homes. Paul was booked on one charge of murder, and his father was booked on accessory to murder. So if you guys have not listened to or heard of a podcast called Your Own Backyard, you have to listen to it. The creator is Chris Lambert. He covered the Kristen Smart case inside and out. And police gave his ass a shout out Mm -hmm. in a press conference on the 13th saying that his podcast helped the cops in their efforts to solve the case. It's huge. That is amazing. Huge. And we, you know, guys, we hope one day our podcast will help, you know, some cases that we've covered and the families get justice. You know, there, there has to be a voice for those that no longer have a voice. Totally. Justice always needs to be served. And so there's lots going on with these cases. Like we mentioned, keep a lookout, watch how they unfold. And we're going to be watching as well. Yes. So let's jump into our new case that we have for you today. This case was actually sent over by a friend of mine named Amber Jeffley, and she lives in Arizona, and we had just seen each other a few weeks ago while we were in town, and so we were talking about crime. She loves our podcast. Thank you, Amber, for listening every week, and she sent us a message regarding the case of Jesse Wilson. He was a 10-year-old adopted boy, and he had vanished in July 2017 from his home in Buckeye, Arizona, 
His remains were sadly found two years later off of a highway in an agricultural field. But it's all the details surrounding the case that make it very strange. And to this date, this case is unsolved and his adopted mother is nowhere to be found. So welcome back, guys. Let's get into it. So Jesse Wilson was last seen July 17th, 2016 in his Buckeye, Arizona home, which is a suburb west of Phoenix. He lived with his adopted mother, Crystal Wilson. And in 2017, the Buckeye area was like a fast growing city in the United States, if not one of the fastest growing cities. The neighborhood and the schools were like super desirable and everybody felt that it was just a really safe place to live. So Jesse was a student at the Bradley Cremos Academy Charter School at the time of his disappearance. Prior to Jesse being reported, we're going to back up here just for a second, he was known, oddly, to climb out of his bedroom window, which was on the second floor of the family's residence. I don't think I could climb out of my (laughs) second floor. I was imagining no. that because, yeah, I'm like looking down out in my backyard like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll take the stairs in the back door. Yeah. That's what it's for. Yeah, <laughs> so these adventures of his would either take place super late at night or in the very early hours of the morning. On one occasion, he wandered down the street to a neighbor's house. The neighbor like opens the door, is totally shocked at what they're seeing because it's, you know, probably like midnight, 2 a.m. And there's this child at their door. So they call the police to report it. And they're like, what the hell? Like, come and help me. There's this 10-year-old kid at my door. Like, what the heck are they doing out so late at night? So the cops show up and they are kind of stunned when they find Jesse, like, not in pajamas but completely dressed, looking like it's 8 a.m. and he's, like, ready to go to school. (laughs) And so when the cops, like, question him, they're talking to him, Jesse's like, yeah, I'm going to school. Which, side note, kind of made me think, like, maybe he sleepwalks. Mm -hmm. That was an initial thought when we started reviewing the case, but so I don't know if you could sleepwalk out of a second-story window. Like, over and over again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's some skill. I guess you're right. So the cops were like, uh, probably not, like in the dead of night. So the neighbor who had reported Jesse, like at their doorstep, told the police that Jesse, while he, you know, before the cops got there, had been asking for food and saying that he was really hungry, Aww. which makes me sad because we don't know what was going on in that house. Yeah. So the cops make contact with Jesse's family, his adopted stepmother specifically. And she tells the cops that Jesse did, in fact, like climbing out of his bedroom window at night and that he'd go and walk around the neighborhood, play, wander around, like, I guess whatever he felt like doing that night. Which is odd that she just thinks that that's somewhat normal. Normal? Like, yeah, no, it's fine. My son just goes and wanders at night. I mean, I'm terrified of the dark, let alone at 10 years old. Like, he must have felt really comfortable. Right, it was like a safe suburban area. Like everybody wanted to live there. She's like, yeah, no, he does it all the time. Right, like you don't. Oh, ma'am, no problem with this. It's odd. (laughs) So on the night of July seventeenth, he goes missing. Crystal, again, his adopted mother, says that she last saw Jesse when she put him to bed in his room around nine thirty, and that when she went to go check on him again around one thirty a.m., he wasn't there. So she automatically reports him missing, which, again, if I could chime in with my first thought, 
is if he wasn't there at 1.30, why would your first instinct be this time to call 911 to report him missing when it's completely normal for him to like wander around the neighborhood? That made me like point my finger towards the stepmom. Well, along with other things, but we'll get to that. So sometime during her communication with the police officers or whoever she's on the phone with, she tells them that it's not uncommon for Jesse to sneak out of his window and wander around, but never for this long. Which is like in itself is just very odd. She seems odd to me right off the bat. Because it wasn't even that long. If you put him to bed at 930, you go to check on him at 130 and immediately call the cops. Again, why didn't she go looking around the neighborhood? I don't know. Because she did something. Her story changes. (laughs) So a full-on search begins for 10-year-old Jesse. And now, guys, keep in mind, if you've never been to Arizona, it is very hot in June. And it was reported during this time specifically when he went missing. It was in the triple digits. So I think naturally there was, you know, some added pressure to find Jesse. So they ended up using drones to search. They used canine search dogs. Um, The Border Patrol had jumped in on this massive search. The community rallied to look for Jesse with his teachers, I mean, his classmates. When we were researching it, literally everyone in this community was out there looking for him. And the search went on for days. All kind of while the police were not ruling out foul play. They said that from the beginning. Like, they're not ruling anything out. We had an open mind about this search. And... You know, I don't think it's common that a 10-year-old, like we said, just jumps out of his window and doesn't come back. Like, that's that's not a common thing. So initially, when Jesse was reported missing at 1.30, his adoptive mother, she didn't call 911. She had called the local sheriff's line to report him. But she also didn't say in that call that he was missing she more kind of classified it as a runaway so they were looking into it as a runaway status she said um that when she had last seen him he was wearing black shoes which if you're putting him to bed i don't know why he would be in shoes but whatever that's you know not my child right so she said he was wearing black shoes he had socks on shorts and a red t-shirt and he was about 60 pounds four feet tall So this is what they're looking for. The community had actually started a hashtag for Jesse online. It was hashtag lead Jesse home. And they would rally, you guys, they would drive around the neighborhood in almost like a convoy type group of cars with all these hashtags on it, just kind of letting everyone know that may have didn't know by looking at the news that they were out there searching for Jesse. Um, I read in one of the articles that a volunteer had spoke with a local news station And she said, quote, I just can't imagine. And I go to bed thinking about him. Our family is praying for him. And we're so worried that he's just out there lost somewhere. Like the passion with this community looking for him was very amazing when we were researching it. It was like they were all out there in this triple degree heat looking for this young boy. Poor baby. So they're searching like abandoned housing complexes up and down the desert and the 10 freeway. And days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, and just no sign of Jesse, not a shoe, not a shirt, not those shorts. So the cops have no choice but to circle back to the last person who's seen him and the last place that he was, which is his home. So another thing that Crystal had noted about Jesse was that 
She was worried about him because he had suffered from developmental issues and had behavioral problems. And she also noted that he was on some sort of medication. So the cops are talking to her, you know, and they're looking around the residence and they notice that there's multiple locks on the doors in some of the windows. So they ask Crystal about it and she says, well, you know, Jesse likes sneaking out and this is how I try to keep him safe. But we're like, how did he keep managing to get out of that second story bedroom window? Mm -hmm. And they don't specify anything that we read that there were any locks on that window specifically. So she may have been trying to keep him safe, but she wasn't doing a very good job because he kept going out of the same damn window (laughs) that was not secured. So Jesse was not the only adopted child that Crystal had. There were actually five in total. So was she like a saint adopting these children, taking care of them, nurturing them? Or was she just this irresponsible, sinister Mm -hmm. lady who... Pretending. Exactly. So at the time of Jesse's disappearance, the only kids that were living at the home were Jesse and another boy and a girl, which there's not much documented on them at all. So I think we should dive into Crystal's past and some reports of what was going on inside the home leading up to this mysterious disappearance of Jesse. Now, the cops were called to that home in Buckeye in May 2011 to reports and tips that they had received about possible child abuse going on. And when they had entered the home, two four-year-old boys, and they were found upstairs in a bed tied with like this harness type apparatus they were like tied to the bed not enough like enough that they could move like a foot though is how they explained it so when questioned crystal stated that once again she was doing it for their safety because the boys wanted to sneak out and she said one time like they would come home in the morning dirty and covered in mud it's very odd well the officers that were there at the home had stated that there were no visible marks on the boys and therefore they didn't think that there was any child abuse they were tied up with harnesses officer right i don't know what you don't see the fuck (laughs) so they noted too uh you know there's food in the kitchen and to them that that was enough evidence at that time that would indicate to them that there was no child abuse going on ridiculous within the home yeah So in 2013, the Department of Child Services had launched an investigation into child abuse and or neglect because Jesse had been hit in the face on his cheek area by his mother, Crystal, with a belt. Dude. And it was reported on multiple occasions that the kids would come to school like severely unkempt. Like their hair was never done. Their teeth were disgusting. Uh, Their clothes were all disheveled. Their shoes wouldn't even be on the right foot. Like, they Mm -hmm. never matched. I mean, it's just clear, I think, from anyone outside looking in. That they're not being taken care of. They're not being taken care of. Angers me. So, according to one of the documents in the investigation, the children would always state that they were hungry. Jesse, on one occasion, told someone that he didn't get dinner inside of the house. Many of the neighbors in this community would attest that the children would wander door to door asking for food. Crystal, you're a bitch. 
And she's actually an admitted bitch because she openly told people that she would deprive the children from food as a form of punishment and that she would lock Jesse specifically inside of his room for super long periods of time and not allow him to use the restroom and that he would just have to go in his bedroom on the floor which is child abuse in itself and when we were researching we read something where the mother told the cops when they had questioned about you know the kids being hungry she's like well if i don't give my children dessert then i guess you can say that that's abuse we're not talking about dessert, Crystal. We're talking about Back basic food. Back up 20 minutes, bitch. We're talking about Stop. dinner. Jesus. So Jesse didn't even have the basic necessities in his room. He didn't have any sheets. He didn't have any blankets. Nothing to keep him warm. He had a mattress, yes, on the floor that was wrapped in plastic. He didn't have a dresser, no clothes, no toys, nothing. But... The children were never removed from the home and Crystal maintained that, you know, she may have done a lot of things, but she never physically harmed any of her adopted children, nor would she ever physically punish them. I think she needs to go back and take a look (laughs) at the things that she's doing. And how to be a mother, let alone an adopted mother. Like these kids weren't given the basic necessity not even the basics i mean i know people who had kids at 15 and they were amazing parents at 15 this bitch just clearly doesn't get it so a little more backstory here on crystal wilson um when the cops had questioned her about whether she drank alcohol or not she had stated very firmly (laughs) i don't drink except for when i drink except for when i drink right (laughs) So the cops, they searched her home. They ended up uncovering 12 liquor bottles that were in her bedroom, Mm -hmm. and they were on display, almost like a shrine type of thing, okay? Mm -hmm. Inside the fridge at this time, there was no food whatsoever, just wine and just liquor. Now, she also had stated that she didn't take very firm once again. She didn't take any sort of drugs, no medication, nothing. She's just a compulsive liar. Yes. So when they went in her bedroom, they had located a bin that was underneath her bed. And you guys, this bin was filled with drugs. And all of them were antipsychotic medications. And these have to be prescribed by a doctor, mind you. So all different kinds of brands, all different kinds of brands of psychotics she's got under her bed. They found a bottle of methadone, which if you guys know what that is, it's used to treat people that have heroin addictions. So her story's really not adding up here, Crystal. (laughs) Now, Crystal never stopped cooperating with the police, but there were lots of holes in her story. Like, I mean, if you want to have a drink, don't, you know, lie about it. And then we find a whole bar in your house. (laughs) Or I don't do drugs. Ma'am, you have more bottles than a fucking pharmacy. Yeah. Where's my prescription? (laughs) Fill me up, Crystal. Jeez Louise. So... She actually did make a report to, uh, I think it was the local news, right after he had gone missing, Jesse. And she said, quote, this is your mommy. No one is mad at you. She would sob, by the way, in between this um, story that she's saying to them. She said, I miss your loving, caring, sweet ways. Mm-mm. Which I watched it on YouTube and it just didn't Makes seem. music. Yeah. So as time went on, there's still no sign of Jesse, and the case had then been moved from, unfortunately, a missing person's case into a recovery operation, 
with the possibility of locating a deceased person. Jesse's siblings that were living at the adoptive home when he went missing were taken from Crystal's care and they were placed into the foster system. Crystal then moved out of that house and she moved out of the state. Don't know the time frame, but she's gone. So sadly, on March 8th, 2018, which was almost two years to the month after 10-year-old Jesse went missing, there were some Buckeye, Arizona municipal workers and they had located skeletal remains off of State Route 85. And this was in a rural, like, agricultural area. And the remains had been scattered around this area. So the spot where the remains were found could actually be seen from the 10 freeway, which I've driven there. So it's, like, weird to think that they were just right there, like, right off the freeway. Yeah. So the remains were collected, about 30 bones in total, and they were determined to all be human. Through DNA collected from Jesse's biological father, they were able to confirm that the bones that were located were, in fact, Jesse's. The site where they were found was only six miles away from his home, and that area was a part of the initial search grid when Jesse went missing. But this area was underwater at the time, and it was subject to flooding, so that might have been why they didn't find any indication that a body was there. Mm-hmm. Um, the medical examiner released a report regarding Jesse's cause of death, saying that it was undetermined, but did note that Jesse had multiple broken bones and fractures. They don't know, though, if those broken bones and fractures occurred prior to Jesse's death. Um, Jesse's remains had been out in the elements for about two years. So they may never be able to determine exactly what happened to this poor little boy. What they did say, however, that it's very apparent that Jesse's death was a homicide. They know that there was foul play that was involved. And all of this is based on those bones that were recovered and evidence that the police have that they have not disclosed many details on. It's just another like fucked up situation like... Who would want to kill this poor little sweet boy? You guys, go look at his picture on our social media. And for him to just be so far away from home, like, I don't think he walks six miles. (laughs) He wouldn't have any reason to walk that far, you know? Just bring him home. Don't hurt him. There's just a lot of mystery surrounding this case. Like, what happened to him? How? Where the hell's his adoptive mother now? Who knows? The cops have insisted that this case will be solved. They are not letting up. Uh, The lead chief said that he was very confident, that was his statement, that it will be solved. So I hope they get justice for Jesse. I mean, they're taking all the appropriate steps into really finding out the truth behind this. Now, to this day, the adoptive mother, Crystal, has now uh, moved out of state. She was informed uh, when Jesse's remains were found Uh, We don't know what she said after that, but we know that she is aware. There hasn't been much contact with Crystal, and some say they haven't been able to locate her. Some articles said they haven't seen her, they can't find her. Uh, There was a possible sighting of her in Florida, and that wasn't too long ago. Crazy-ass person goes to Florida. So she's been keeping, you know, a pretty, pretty low profile. Now, there was a woman that in the article said she claimed to be Jesse's biological mother. So we cannot confirm or deny that. She just came forward saying that she was. And she stated, quote, 
This is a child they didn't protect. She said her son was a hero and his disappearance will expose the system that failed him. Crystal has never been named a suspect in the homicide case of Jesse and no arrests have ever been made to date. But this case is clearly a homicide for a reason. And I'm sure the police know a hell of a lot more, but they want to protect the integrity of it. So I hope they solve the case. I really do. Jesse deserves justice. And whatever really happened to that young boy needs to be brought to light. I mean, we want to know. I want to know. I'm following it now. Mm -hmm. I'm Googling. The cops are still asking for the public's help. So at this time, if you have any information, uh, no matter how large, no matter how small, please reach out to the Buckeye Police Department. You guys can call them at 623-349-6411, or you guys can email them at bpdtips at buckeyeaz.gov. Thank you guys for joining us today. We know that you enjoyed the story and we need you to do us a solid. We delivered a great story. We want you to deliver a great review. This for that. (laughs) So please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to us now and set our show for automatic uploads. So when you wake up and you get ready on Friday and you're heading out for your commute, you don't have to worry about it. Don't have to use your data. Episodes are already on your phone. You're good to go. Good to go. We'll wake up in the morning with you. (laughs) We did a poll last week over on our Instagram and we were asking if you guys wanted more of the mashup episodes, kind of just like a general consensus. You all said yes. So you guys asked for it and you will receive. Yes. We are definitely going to be having more of those. So stay tuned. Raina and I hope you have a safe weekend and we'll see you back here next Friday. Bye Bye, guys. guys.